now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Bugs and Babes, the B-movie podcast from class to cults and the cheese in between. The movies are B with the entertainment is grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. And I'm joining my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Hey, Jay. How's it going today? Uh, we're, we're doing uh, feedback. feedback today. Feedback. Yeah, we got some feedback. So we're going to jump right in. We don't have any trailer to play here. First feedback from Jack Bond says, you were a teenage bot or bug? <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for the info on these movies and where to find them. I have never run across them, even back when they were available. Whit Bissell does come off worse in Frankenstein. <laughs> Sometimes, that's when Luke and I cover that. Sometimes I notice in in watching them so close together uh, is that the first 20 minutes or so, the setup part of the story focused on the teenager in Werewolf showing us his problems and personality. In Frankenstein, the teenager hadn't been created yet. So the doctor gets his personality exp- explored. So it needs to be his flaws that drive the story. Uh, about the race between AIP and Hammer's Curse of Frankenstein, I have uh, I have suggestion for a third source, uh, third source horror comics. Comic uh, comic books were much more of a mass medium back then, um, and even beyond their circulation, they were on everybody's mind because of the book The Seduction of the Innocent, condemning their psychological and or outright sadism. Uh, it in an exception to the only bad publication is no publication. Uh, which is the, uh, not public, excuse me, the only bad publicity is no publicity. All this excitement got them banned, but it it might also have given an exploitation filmmaker an idea. If it sells and kids aren't getting it in comic books anymore, uh, thanks for the, uh, so um, thanks for the info on the other 11 lost films. The other, uh, the other ones were kids encountered back when they would, the, they were lost. They were loose was, the Amazing Colossal Man, the titles of any but the Westerns would have att- attracted our attention. Ever since I found books and magazines about movies, I've been keeping an eye out for the Invasion of the Saucer Men. And it's, um, and it's about the only other one that would lure me onto the dark web to watch it. Well, maybe just the dim web. Uh, do, you know, uh, do you have any thoughts on, other, on why B-movies are so associated with boss bugs and babes when Westerns and other genres 
Um, all the others share the poor uh, share of their poorer cousins. I have a theory that is uh, that's the visual interest. Gangster movies, you got a tough guy in striped in sharp suits. Once you've seen the best, why watch the rest? Westerns have plenty of visual interest, perhaps, but less of a as B movies moved on uh, of Monument Valley or into Bronson County. Uh, we did we did eventually get film noir and spaghetti westerns as forms as folks learn how to do style on a budget. Horror, sci-fi, even the cheapest, still has to show something out of the ordinary. What do you think, sirs? That's a reference to uh, Misty Jack. Um, so what he's talking about here is um, the lost films, the the, the lost uh, movies that are, we, we, they will never get them because they're, well, I mean, even though the the wife, it's it's what he calls wife, is she's she's passed away. I mean, and now it's the estate. and They just don't want to release them. That we got... Um, how to make a monster, which we talked about in the first episode of January. Um, I think it's because that's owned by somebody else. Like there was different ownership having rights to it and stuff. It's it's a mess. Well, that's right. It was, how to make a monster? Well, and then the first time we, we saw that we we could uh, we could buy that was on Cryptflix. Okay, yes, which is a gray market thing. Right. People insane. don't know what that is. That it's, oh, no, it's no, all no, no. it's we, it's we, gray market yes. uh, uh, bootlegs. Yeah, um, available at horror conventions. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yes, you know that. I know that. Luke knows that, but most people don't know okay. that. So, um, but yeah, the, so the thing is, a lot of these movies, that's the only way to get them. They're somewhere on YouTube, and they'll pop up there. And it's because, and but a lot of times they're ripped down, but they're taken from other sources and stuff like that. the The reality is this: is that certain movies will be lost, and they're lost because people want them lost. And I wish certain movies were lost because they were god awful, but. That's usually not the case. Usually when movies got awful, they want to put it out there as much as they can. Movies are lost sometimes because of who owns what rights to what. And it's right. usually the music or the whatever. And somebody owns this piece. And it's always somebody's mad at somebody else or somebody doesn't want to like be associated with that. Right. Well, that happens a lot. You'll find a lost movie will somehow pop up on TCM. Because, like you said, a right all of a sudden is now negotiable. And so then it comes up, and, and I'm sitting there saying, well, I've never seen this movie, and it's really good. Right. And you say to yourself, you know, is this available? And then you go on Amazon, and you find out, yeah, it's it's going to be available three months from now. Yeah, that's when but, it's that's, but that's what's happening. And that's the only way yeah. they come out. Well, so uh, things like Kino Lobert and things like that, right. they, are, they are going and trying to find these yeah. movies. And, you know, there are a lot of, like, even movies that seem like they should be available have gone out of print. Um, a perfect example of this would be a movie like Near Dark, which shouldn't be out of print. Um, but to how, depending on how you consume it, um, it's not available digitally through like Amazon or anything like that. You can find it. Like I'm thinking maybe Voodoo or whatever might have it, but it's like a movie that you're like, why is this movie out of print? But the DVD and the, the DVD is long out of print. The, the Blu-ray has gone out of print and you have to go buy a Japanese import, which is what I had to do. Um, to get your hands on it. And Near Dark isn't that old. It came out literally in the late 80s, the same year as The Lost Boys. In fact, it's the counter to The Lost Boys. Um, and it's so weird to think about that that's where movies had a, uh, like why certain things go in and out of print and whatever. And it's only because, depending on that, say who owns it. Now, why do B-movies uh, really have to do with bots, bugs, and babes? And we that's what mm. the title of this series came from. Um, because, you know, and I think Jack nails it on the head. Um, if I've seen a gangster movie, a really good gangster movie, why do I need to see another gangster movie? Like, unless I really like Jimmy Cagney or somebody pretending to be Jimmy Cagney, why do I need to watch them? And I'm not a huge, not a huge gangster movie fan. I mean, literally, like, 
I, I don't even can't even think of a good gang. I can't even think of like a movie I actually enjoy. Like, I mean, it, the untouchables might be the only gangster movie I can think of that. Are, and that's not even a gangster movie. That's yeah. about the untouchables. Like, but think about that. Like gangster movies in general, unless that's your cup of tea, that's not really what I enjoy. And the Westerns he's talking about, the B movie Westerns there. I hate those kind oh, of yeah, movies. Those are, those I can't are. watch them. Yeah. Now, spaghetti Westerns. I like because spaghetti Westerns are the B to me. Spaghetti Westerns are like the B movie Westerns, but that's not what he's talking about. Like, I'm not talking about, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I hate all of them. Like, um, the man who shot Liberty Valance is okay, but that's a classic piece of filmmaking. It just happens to be a Western, right? Or, um, high noon. Right. But like, but, but the reality is when I think Westerns, like, you know, I'm not thinking of like all these schlocky ones that like Glenn Strange was in from no, whatever, but I'm thinking of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the ones I'm thinking of, like you know, it's got five big stars in it. Yeah, is it is it a western? Yeah, it's in the west, right? Like it's like Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven isn't a western. It is in that they're it's they're in the west and they're all cowboys, but it's really Seven Samurai which was Kurosawa's film, which they remade for America because what's the American version of a samurai? They said, well, it's going to be a cowboy, yeah. right? So, but it makes sense. But but in The Magnificent Seven, it literally is littered with some of the greatest actors of all time. So what happens is when you start looking at, like, why do certain movies, uh, you know, why do certain genre movies lend themselves better to that? Well, in every monster movie, I don't care if it's Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, it could be the same monster over and over again you have to have someone doing the effects or someone doing the makeup or someone doing the mask or someone doing the whatever, which lends itself to being the next, you know, movie of the week. If, if every Western is the exact same thing, just coming off the reels, you're like, okay, I already seen this guy get shot before. I already seen this happen. Right. But the next week when you go see, you know, beginning of the end and you're like, oh my God, like they're really going to use giant crickets, but they did because what happened the next time you would go, it'd be like the spider. And then you're in the spider. You're like, wow, that's this is a really bad looking spider. But there's a monster there. Um, I think that's what happens. And it, when you look at like film noir, and like now we have neo noir, like which is born out of the idea of making it more current. The neo noir stuff, that stuff is enjoyable. That's that's your ne your neo no your film noir movies. But those movies weren't just gangster. They are no, they, they, were, they were sometimes gangster movies. Were, you know, but it was all about the filming, how it's shot. Right. But it's also like, it's like, that's like saying, oh man, every whatever movies like this. Well, no, there's German impressionism, like which we saw in like the Dead Cabinet of Dr. Calgary. Like, mm -hmm. I don't enjoy silent movies, but when you look at the stylization in the Cabinet of Dr. Calgary and in like uh, Nosferatu, mm -hmm. those movies, again, even though I don't ever want to watch them again, no matter how much soundtrack you put on it, whatever, they, you can appreciate the light, the dark, the whatever, like how they're doing it. And the same thing happens when you watch like the original fan of the opera. It's a phenomenal movie, but like it's kind of dull yeah. because like you remember all the really cool stuff because Cheney was so good. But like the fan of the opera, there are much better fan of the operas made because you could have more violence, you could have more whatever. And that those movies need to be closer to that. It's it's the difference though. I think that's what I'm saying. It's like so you look at the difference between like Lugosi's Dracula and then Christopher Lee's Horror of Dracula. To me, Christopher, and, and I know some people don't believe this, Horror of Dracula is far better than Lugosi's Dracula. People can argue whatever they want. The, as a movie to be entertained by, 
horror Dracula is much more entertaining. Now, could it be the color? Could it be the the, the, the violence? Could it be whatever? It's also it's also the sophistication of the time. Yeah. Nobody had ever made a movie like that. Again, movies at that point were mostly silent movies. Yeah. And so when you finally have a talkie that scares the living daylights out of you because you don't, do they really exist? I mean, you know, you're talking about the, the late 20s, early 30s, uh, the it's just hard to it's hard to, to put into into words what people were were afraid of what what did they expect when they went to they, they what there was a few mu- musicals and what have you but most of the things that were coming out at that time were cutting edge because nobody had ever seen it before right well that's what well, you, know, I'm, you, talk, I'm, you talked about, about, a, about a gangster movie the to me the best gangster movie ever made is the original scarface with Paul Muni it when you watch that movie there's nothing socially redeeming about any of the gangsters in there, and he gets his comeuppance at the end. But that is the blueprint for how to make a right. A, a right. But once you see that, the other yeah. ones you don't need to see the other ones, right? right. Yeah. So, but like I think that's why when we think of westerns, um, and some people will like, oh, I love old westerns, but they need to talk about because they were a big John Wayne fan, or they, big, but like a lot of John Wayne movies. A lot of them were kind of formulaic, well, yeah. right? Well, but like, but the problem building that changes in the John Wayne movie is the dialogue, right? But I'm saying is, but no, but then but no, but you tell me, but you get like later, like when he gets older, and you get to oh, um, like, like you know, the, the cowboys, uh, yeah, and, like yeah, things have to change, yeah, right? Because he had to change. But his people are like oh, I love all John Wayne movies. Like the John Wayne movies are pretty much exactly the same thing. Yeah. Right. But then you would see the same thing in like Hatari and whatever. Like he literally just took those movies and just like, okay, now he's not a cowboy. Now he's a minor. Now he's a whatever. It's like, great. But if that's what you like, and that's fine. Yeah. The, the, the thing is when you think about, when you ask people about like their favorite Westerns of all time, most people, honestly, depending on their age, they'll say tombstone because tombstone is literally probably one of the best Westerns made. And it is a Western, but it literally has, Big name stars throughout the entire thing has amazing. Li- I feel I literally feel like Powers Booth most day when people are being jerks. And I'm like, okay, bye. Like I feel like that's what it is. Like like the whole movie is just the best actors in the like at the time chewing scenery, giving insane lines, doing exactly what you want them to do, and it's violent and it's bloody, but not overly, and it makes sense. And like it's and you're like, wow. Like I mean, what's Val Kilmer as, as Doc Holliday? Is outstanding. Now I know the gunfight at the OK Corral is well, a the, classic, yeah. but the there's no way in the world the gunfight at the OK Corral, when you put it up against Tombstone, could even compare to what you were getting because what you're getting is a movie made what like 30, 40 years beforehand, and what ha, what the how movies were made, how they were shot, special effects, yeah. like whatever. Tombstone was cutting edge for the time. Now there's not CG, but like they could show a guy it was hit in the stomach and you fall over. Like, it's like, let's show his arm getting shot. Let's do whatever. And it just, and, and they, again, you said there was five big names right in there. Well, there are 10 big names in tombstone and tombstone was designed to be that when you start looking at lesser Westerns that movies, and I'm not talking like, let's say like it have to be just all spaghetti Western, but you look at lesser, the, the lesser movies coming out that are B movies. And even the lesser, Spaghetti, spaghetti westerns like i mean literally every single django past yeah. django right they they all kind of were like cookie cuttered out yeah. and some people love them 
I happen, I mean, again, I like the good, the, the bad, and the ugly, which is an easy one to like, and you know, kind of thing, and like the the whole the whole man with no name trilogy and things like that. But it's because I like Clint Eastwood in that role. He looks like he literally was from that time. But when you start looking at other westerns, I mean, like, I and and it's crazy to say, the Wild Bunch isn't really a western, no. but it is a western because they're technically cowboys. Yeah. But it's also about turn of the centuries, by the way. But it's but that's also a Peck and Paul movie. It's such a different thing. Yeah. Those kind of what people remember. I think a lot of the B movies people remember because they're like, oh, that's the one with the giant, and then fill in the blank. The giant ant, the giant spider, the giant man, the giant whatever, you know, the giant and the, or that's the one with the aliens, or that's the one with the this, or that's the one with the this. Yeah. Why? Because they were unique that way. The, the Western. That's the one where they, you know, fight the Native Americans. Well, you would call them Indians back in the day, right? It's like, okay. Or that's the one where, or like a gangster movie. That's the one where they steal this stuff. Yeah, right? most, of the, most of those movies, most, most of them be the B movies. I, I would equate them to the Saturday morning series. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was this. Other than the main character, who he, obviously he had on a you know, white hat or yeah, white horse right, or whatever, yeah. they would go riding through the country and riding back. Yeah. And there was a lot of writing in those movies, yeah. not a lot of acting. And when they did stop and talk, okay, you know, they would, they, then who would get it? And a lot of the, a lot of those serial Westerns, somebody would get a guitar out and sing a song. Right. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's, those are the Westerns that, that you just don't remember. You remember, yeah, they were okay, but they're not, they didn't have the, the, uh, the visceral value yeah. that you get yeah. out of, that you get out of a, out of a, a really well-made movie. I mean, any movie could be could be a western. Uh, even something like Seven Days in May. It is. There's no fighting. There's no gunplay. There's nothing. It is riveting for two and a half hours. The Lion in Winter, exactly the same. Two fantastic actors. You know what? The the King and the Queen. It is riveting for two hours. And those are the movies that when you when you talk about you know, genre, you say, like if somebody says, did you ever see a, uh, uh, a Knights movie? To me, the best Knight movie is that one. And yet, there's tons of them. Ivanhoe. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's tons of those movies. Yeah. You can even go to, to the, the Robin Hood movies that... Uh, um, well, in, in, a, in a way, honestly, people remember Tarzan. They remember right. Johnny Weissmuller because he was so famous as being Tarzan. And those movies, again, they're very formulaic. Right. Mm -hmm. But how many other Tarzan movies exist? Mm -hmm. How many like like that's what I'm saying. So they're like B movies have to be different because it can't always it's not like you're saying if you looked at every Frankenstein movie or every Dracula movie, or, but there weren't just Frankenstein and Dracula. Right. It, there were these concepts and ideas, but like, well, how can I make it different? How can I make it a little different? Because they were they, all they got to do was hit for one time. You got to get everyone's money one week and the next week you can be gone. Right. And that's why a lot of them are kind of and that's why you have movies that. Again, the ones that are good stick around, and the ones that aren't fade away. And it, it, it's you know, it also depends on too. To be honest with you, I, I'm trying to think of a. I'm trying to. I'm racking my brain. I'm trying to think of a western or a gangster movie that, again, I mean, the original Scarface might be the best one ever. I'm trying to think of a better one than that that didn't star some big star. It didn't. Well, it no, but, but 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 Paul Newman was the only one. No, no, but but right, but any gangster movie that doesn't have Jimmy Cagney in it. Right, so what's it? What's a gangster movie? Can't have a big star. Yeah. Think about something. We talked about. I was a teenage werewolf, right? Michael Landon wasn't a star yet. 
There's no, no star in that whole movie. Yeah. We talk about how to make a monster. There's no star in that whole movie. Luke and I talked about I was teenage Franklin. There's not one star in that whole movie. So I mean, Whit Bissell, but he's not a star, no, right? But he's just a face. He's a face you know. you know. But I'm saying is what what other genre can you have no stars, not a star you know, and you can literally just maybe a character actor face back in the day of these movies. It doesn't work in those things because you weren't going to see. I'm not going to go see I Was a Teenage Frankenstein because I'm like, oh, Gary Conway's in this movie. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a Frankenstein's monster that looks like a teenager? Like, that's what the draw is. And that's the main difference. And that I think that's really, I again, I think that's what Jack is saying. Like, yeah, there's see, the main difference between well, in them. Today's, in today's time frame, you get, you'd get a movie that's based off a book. And uh, let me give you an example. The, 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 the first Harry Potter movie, you had Richard Harris, who was... Um, uh, um, the uh, the Emperor of Rome and Gladiator, yeah. and then this was his next film. But he's eighty five years old. The the three kids you'd never heard okay. of before. But, but Harry no. Potter no, no, was no, a no. book. Yeah, no, no, but it's a book. But they could have taken that thing and made a schlock movie out of no. it. But they didn't. Well, they, they turned it into into okay. a, a classic. So the thing is, that's that's not really the same thing. No. So if there had never been a Harry Potter book. And they made Harry Potter the movie, and then they said, "Hey, we should make books on this." That's the other way. That's what yeah. this is going. You had a book that was not only a success, a runaway success. They had, and it wasn't like the first Harry book, Harry Potter book came out and the movie yeah. came out. There was a couple of the oh. books out already. But, yeah, but, but the, the, those were runaway successes. Yeah, Dad. Not, and I'm not saying they I'm, couldn't make a bad movie. No, no, but uh, but I mean, the probability that they're going to make a bad movie went down when they said, "We have now made." Yeah, but you had you had no stars what basically whatsoever. You had an aging uh, Dumbledore and you had uh, Alan Rickman who was in Die Hard. Okay. And that was it. Basically, the movie that, that could have been a real tank was Gone with the Wind. That one, Margaret Mitchell's book, was the bestseller of okay. all time. And yet, who did you have? You had the two number one female and male oh, stars. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't have Clark Gable as as Red Butler, but you had a wimpy guy, not a wimpy guy, but somebody else that you'd never heard of, Tom Selleck, who was was basically, I'm just saying. Oh, if that you wanted he was barely hard, Dad. He wasn't no, no, born. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. No, so. if, you had, if you had a first-time actor named Tom Selleck playing the part, he might have looked the part. Okay, but, but okay. What, sold, what, what sold the movie, everybody who read the book loved it. And everybody who saw the movie have seen it 50 times. Okay, but the problem is this. Those are two very different things. Gone with the Wind was made by a studio in a time when you needed to have stars make your movie. Harry Potter was not made in the right... But I'm still saying it, though. Harry Potter was made in a time when you did not need a star to sell your movie. If you need any proof on that, Go see a little thing called Lord of the Rings, which had nobody in it. And you can say, well, but, you know, but this guy's in this. They are not leading men and women and whatever. The the book of Harry Potter, and I'm not saying that Gone with the Wind wasn't a huge success, but there wasn't just one book and then a movie came out. There was all, like, the first three or four were out. Every single one of them destroyed records, like, literally... So it, as long as you spent the money, which they 100% were going to spend because they were going to make their money back, you were going to produce a movie that as long as, you know, like literally 
Not everyone died, like, you know, in, like, whatever. I mean, Richard Harris passed away because he right. was ancient. But, like, man, as long as the kids all survived, you were going to have, you had built an audience. What I'm saying is, that's, yeah. but that's not the same thing, Dad. No, that's no, not the same it, thing. In a way, it is. Because if the first one, if the first one that comes out and the actors in the, in the thing are not believable to what you remember from the lines in the book, the, book, the movie is going to fail, and there wouldn't be a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth to finish out the, the I book I understand series. that, but, there, but the thing was, they certainly were not going to do that. That was not, that was never going to be what Harry Potter was going to be. That's, that's not, that, that, that was, the books were already established. You had a built-in audience, okay? Like, I'll give you a better example than this, and then we got to get to the next question. They made Fifty Shades of Grey. That god awful, horrible, whatever book. The movies, and people have seen the movie and they said, ugh, these movies are garbage. They made every one of them, though. They made every one of them, Dad. But they made every one of them. Those movies made less and less money. They didn't nearly hit the numbers that they thought they were going to, especially on book sales. And those movies are are tame, like just, you know, watered down, whatever. But they made every one of them and they made enough money to keep them there. If that. Does this human saying yeah. those books did not sell Harry Potter numbers? No, but they, the but the people who read those wanted to go to see the salacious action that was going to happen. But was never going to be allowed to happen on a on a screen yeah, ever. But, but again, the anticipation of going to the movie theater but, and okay. living out a fantasy. Right, that you but there before. are no stars in those movies. There's no stars in movies, right? Because no one in their right mind would... That's exactly what happened. Right. No, because what happened is you get there and you cannot possibly see half of what's in that book because if you had if you saw half of what was in that book it would be nc-17 you would have to pay on some channel to watch it it's no way you can do it even the unrated version of those movies cannot push it as far as the book does but the number of sales of any of those books are dwarfed by harry potter so when when, so when the movie comes out and we're going to see harry potter every single kid is lined up to see it right so whether the movie was good, bad, or indifferent, they were guaranteed to make all their money back. And that's yeah. what happened. Now, they happened to pick people who, like, the actors were good yeah. actors. But they certainly didn't just say, let's just go pick three rando kids. They went and purposely picked actors who were going to be, like, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe has become, like, oh, you know, a big, star. a big yeah. bigger star. I mean, yeah, right. But I'm saying it. But they became stars based off of that. The problem is, is that those were not ever going to be the, 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 the we were never going to have someone break out from some of those other things that's but that's that's not what the that's not what jack was saying the whole point is though the b movie uh b movies in general need to make sure they had some kind of monster some kind of creature some kind of whatever because they didn't have a star in them right even what do you call even them which might be the greatest b movie maybe ever made by way of like because it's about giant ants right who's the star in that movie james arness not even. It's probably Woodmore. Yeah, but, but but I'm saying, but like, yeah. okay, but oh, no, they didn't. Wait, but, but who's in? I mean, like, the, so you have what's his name? Um, I forgot the guy who played Santa Claus in, thir- in uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, playing the doctor, right? Right. But you don't have you don't have a a star. You don't have well, a they weren't whatever. A-listers at no point. right. And even like the Blob, which people went, well, well, it's you know Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen was just his first role. He's a kid who happened to become a star. But that's what I'm saying is. Those kind of things you have, you didn't go to them because you're like, oh man, I can't wait to see James Arness. No. You went to them because it was going to be about giant ants. No, you went, you went to see them because of the 
the huge poster in the right with an ant. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's that's really yeah. the difference. Anyway, all right, we gotta get to the second one here. This, this is Luke. It says Horror Express and Jack the Giant Killer. So you did not record these with me. I did these by myself, um, and so we, we can talk about them because you know about both these movies. Jay, Horror Express is one of those movies which will always seem to pop up in odd places. I find it a lot on compilation sets or in a bin at the re discount retail uh, like Dollar General. In fact, I think the DVD I own was purchased from a Dollar General. I wonder if the film's European roots has something to do with that. I have absolutely no idea. All I know is, I'm going to come on with Luke's thing in a second. Horror Express is literally a movie that you would think like, oh, so this is a British horror movie. No. Oh, it's Spanish. Uh, or it's Russian. Nope. Oh, it's Spanish. Yep. That's what it is. It's it's a Spanish movie, except everyone in it is either British or Russian. So heart and it takes place in Russia, on a train. Horror Express really does seem on the surface like one movie, but does a, a good job of playing with the audience expectation and making something about 180 degrees away from what it initially uh, suspect. The cast is all all genre pros, and the script gets points for creativity for sure. Setting a horror film in a place where there is no easy escape seems like an easy enough concept. But there are plenty of films which botch this idea. So credit to Horror Express for making it work. Now, in Horror Express, it's it's uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher mm -hmm. Lee, which makes you think immediately this has to be British. And then Telly Savalas, and you're like, okay, that seems weird. But Telly Savalas plays a Russian, and it works perfectly. And then you're like, and it's a horror movie, and it's about like a creature. Like, this sounds like a Hammer movie. And it's not. And you're like, okay, then it must be Amicus. But it's not. It's literally... A Spanish production company that's, that no one's ever heard of. Right. That's, that's and it's the only movie they ever made. Like they're the one that had the money. But that's what I'm saying is it literally should be Amicus Productions presents, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. So as far as crashing the train to destroy something trapped on board, the most insane and thus best version of this trope is in 1976 disaster movie, The Cassandra Crossing, yeah. dubbed Profoundly Offensively Stupid by the New York Times. Um, I do not recommend actually watching the Cassandra experiment, except that the graphic final sequence where the train travels over the titular crossing, a condemned arch bridge so far as two hours of Richard Harris, Ava Gardner, Sophia Loren, and OJ Simpson bobbing along a speeding train while Burt Lancaster looks serious in a military installation somewhere. We get an aerial derailment where, where scores of nameless characters are dispatched in gruesome and graphic ways which model trains crash to the ground and eventually explode. It's a completely nuts sequence, far and away uh, violent enough to earn the film an R rating that the rest of its running time has no need for. Naturally, this was the best part of the film I saw, so I, of course, tracked it down to watch the rest. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, regarding Jack the Giant Killer, uh, it seems a long, long time, time since I have seen this film, and I remember a precious little of it. Um, if I'm being honest, my main memory, which may be completely false and a result of me mashing several memories together, involved dad getting a copy of the film from the local library back when it was a, no uh, it was novel for the library to lend movies, putting it on for us to watch and discovering it was the musical version and immediately turning it off. Right, exactly. At least this is how I remember it. But as I've said before, I've taken a lot of blows to the heads over the years. Um, I'll finish Luke's thing in a second. So as I mentioned during it, I talked about the fact that it was recut as a musical. Um, it's always the joke that like it's the all singing, all dancing version. And it's Jack the Giant Killer um, is literally like, hey, I really like Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Hey, let's make that again. What? We don't have any money. Eh, we'll get all the same actors and we'll try. Yeah. And the movie falls short 
in so many ways. Um, and I know you don't like riff tracks, but they did a riff tracks live of it. And it points out a lot of those ways, like seizing the bone, which is literally needs to be said over and over for no reason in the movie. Um, and the things that it points out are not making fun of the special effects. I know you don't like what they talk about, but it's not making fun of the special effects. It's making fun of the poor choices they made, which derivate from the story of Seven Voyages of Sinbad. Right. If you're going to remake it, just rip it off. Just rip it off and just do the same thing again. Don't try and be cute. There's no need for a leprechaun. There's no need for the whatever. There's the freaking talking monkey. Like, we don't need all these things. Yeah. So, and do you know in 1964 when that movie came out? It was a few it, was, it, it got four stars yeah. in the Daily News. I mean, they, they, were, they were hyping this movie as, as you know, I don't want to say the next coming of King Kong, but it was the movie to go see. Yeah. And then I'd, word of mouth killed it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even us kids, yeah. you go watch it. And I'm saying to myself, Jesus, this is poor. Yeah. So here's the. In any event, if you're going to rip off something, <laughs> always rip off something really good. So in that sense, making movies so strongly reminiscent of Seven Voyages of Sinbad is not a bad idea. As you said in the episode, at the point, if a movie was going to go, go gone from theaters, the best you could hope for it was a re-release of some kind, or maybe a um, pictorial and famous monsters. So a new film, which was made in the vein of the popular film, like that was uh, sure to get some butts in seats. The more childlike fairy tale nature of the story is a differentiator from the more mythological hero heroic, heroic adventure stories that Harryhausen seemed to prefer. But even that, uh, to me, is something of a callback to Seventh Voyage. Of all the Harryhausen mythological movies, to me, Seventh Voyage is the most childlike, with the damsel in the stress princess and the genie in the bottle. Seems that uh, seems that small and or Duran really wanted to lean into in on that particular aspect. Uh, there was a new version of Jack uh, in, Jack in, 19, in 2013 entitled Jack the Giant Slayer, directed by Brian Singer and mixing some ideas um, between this Jack story and Jack the Beanstalk. I have never seen that one, and given that the film lost, lost an estimated one, uh, $125 to $140 million for Legendary, it seems that quite a lot of people have never seen it. Maybe a lot of people have never seen it. Um, uh, okay, maybe I will rent it and make it a double feature with the classic one, and which is already available on YouTube and archive. Looking forward to whatever is coming up the, down the pipe next. As always, Luke. Right, I hope Luke um, has a couple hours to kill. No, he's can... not going to watch it. I know Luke's not going to watch it. You know, it's look the original Jack the Giant Killer. You don't have to go watch it on YouTube. Whatever. I literally watched when I watched it for the thing. I didn't watch it somewhere else. I watched the riff track yeah. of it. And I laugh my way through the riff track because I know the movie, right? But it's like watching the magic sword. The magic sword is garbage, mm -hmm. but the riff track of magic sword makes it completely watchable, right? Because those movies are at least competent movies, right? We're not talking baby ghosts. We're not talking things. We're not talking mm -hmm. roller gator. We're not talking movies that are barely even movies. We're talking about at least competently made movies that just are happen to be poor. Um, but the reality of it is, and that's what Luke hit the head, nail on the head. If you're going to rip something off, rip it all the way off. Just go for it. Like, go for it. Don't don't try to get cute. Because instead of having a genie, we have a leprechaun. Right, like Sharknado. You okay. want to rip off Jaws? No, but Sharknado isn't even, not even close to a Jaws ripoff. So, no, no. A Jaws ripoff is Piranha. Oh, okay. And Piranha okay. is an actually really good movie that Joe Dante made because yeah, they, they oh, want okay. to make it. Okay. Sharknado is the most insane thing they could come up with. And they said, they'll never go like this. Six movies later, okay, yeah. it's finally over. No, that's what I'm saying. That's that's Roger Corman saying, okay, how is the craziest thing we can do? And be honest, I mean, I I you've probably never seen all the Sharknados. I've seen every one of them. 
right? Um, the first Sharknado movie, and you think about it, like, okay, this is nuts. Like, this is kind of crazy. But it doesn't even compare to the nuts and crazy that you get in two, three, oh, four. Dude, like, dude. they just said, hey, you want to go nuts? We'll go nuts. Like, we'll turn this up. It's like Sharktopus. When you watch Sharktopus and it literally changes size in scenes to make it fit better, you're like, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. And then you remember the movie is really called Sharktopus, right? I have seen many a bad movie that I am not no, worried about no, that. No, but no. Sharknado is certainly not Jaws. The Jaws rips off that are bad okay. is Orca. Orca is the one that's bad. Tentacles is not great, right? Um, the, the last shark with Vic Morrow literally playing almost the exact same role that Robert Shaw played, except that he doesn't do it nearly as good. When the shark jumps out of there, grabs the thing out of there, those are the kind of Jaws ripoffs. They, like, literally, you could make an entire book. Oh, wait, someone did. Mr. John LeMay talking all about the, the Jaws movies that were ripoffs. All right, here we go. Jack's, I got one more from Jack. This is, says Jack the Giant Killer. From, so this is from Jack Bond. Um, despite the press of the holidays, I wanted to thank you for your Thanksgiving episode. I've heard your brother cite uh, what he calls the same name syndrome that despite the press, oh, excuse me, uh, that leads him to follow one character or another. I just got to say, with the name Jack, I think I burned out on the same name syndrome back before kindergarten. I knew nothing about Jack the Giant Killer before the publicity of it being rediscovered for DVD. Um, if it was mentioned in any other of my old books of special effects or fantastic films, I skimmed over it. Thanks for the info on it. Now, honestly, and I'm going to hang on because there's darkroom stuff here too. There's no way. Like, I'm thinking about all the old books. Once in a while, they would have a little bit of like a picture here or there. Right. But Jack the Giant Killer is not in any book anywhere. No, of in, the, in, the, in the picture is the two-headed ogre that, that you see or the... It's Cimarron. No, it was, Cimarron's the single-headed one. And then the two-headed one fighting yeah, but, the, the plesiosaur. Right, but the two-headed one is the one that, uh, that, that you see. And then... Obviously, if there's any other picture, okay. it's in writing the dragon. So Cimarron is the same thing as the two-headed guy. It's just got one head. Oh, right? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's that. It's when Jack's killing him. It's usually him getting hung. Because I mean, he, he literally hangs him. Like, he, in, yeah, he puts he it on the windmill and hangs right. the guy. Like, I mean, it's pretty dark. Like, you know, come on, Jack. All right. About Dark Room. I've been waiting for one of your episodes to stir a memory. I know I watched a few. I remember the shot through the house and James Colbert pretending to develop film while introducing it, but nothing you've mentioned sounds familiar yet. Eventually, the reason struck me. Friday nights in November, December were occupied going to high school basketball games. Watching it on Christmas would have been, wouldn't have happened either. So maybe <laughs> next year, Jack. Um, so thank you, Jack, for that. Uh, yeah, it's true. Like there's very little, I, I can, I, I've never actually met anybody who's actually ever seen any dark rooms that were not watched when you were older. Right. I mean, the dark rooms now, I mean, they caught them like I did. I, I have the DVD and I watched them the same thing you did. Um, dark room. It's a shame because, um, and we've talked about the dark rooms. We've talked about the first what, five episodes of it. And it's only seven um, that, you know, there are some that are memorable and some that are forgettable. And, you know, the, it's just what it is, but it's a lot like, um, it's a lot like when you say to people Twilight Zone who maybe never really watched Twilight Zone, but they know the Twilight Zone is because it's, it's transcends what it was. You say night gallery to somebody. I feel, I feel like the, the, like, what do you call it? You say, you say Barracuda. You say, <laughs> you say shark. We have a smorgasbord in the 4th of July. Um, you know, I think like, uh, so what I'm saying is like, you say 
Night Gallery is somebody, and unless they really were into things, they may never have heard of Night Gallery. And by the same token, you could mention to somebody, oh, did you ever hear about the Norlis tapes? Because as much as people remember Kolchak, the Night Stalker, we, and it only ran, you know, it's a very short amount of time. Norlis, the Norlis tapes was the pilot for the that series, which was supposed to be very much like a version of the Night Stalker, except it was the author doing all this research, and you're now learning the story about what's happening. And it, every week they played a new tape. And it's like, that literally could just keep going on and on and on. But by the same token, so could Kolchak the Night Stalker. But what happened? Kolchak the Night Stalker had a very successful TV movie in, in, the, in the Night Stalker, right? They took two episodes and cobbled together the Night Strangler, right? And the, 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 each episode, some are better than others. And you have to, again, I happen to personally love the, the Kolchak. I mean... Darren McGavin is just amazing. He he really is the. If it wasn't Darren McGavin, I don't know if it even lasted five episodes. He's so like bumbling, but at the same time lovable, and the same time like gets himself into trouble. And you're like, oh, you want him to always get away? Like he carried that series. Darren McGavin was such a good actor; he was able to do that. The problem is, um, and I say a problem, it, but like like the night um, like Night Gallery in the same vein as the Dark Room. There is no through character. The through character in Night Gallery is Rod Serling introducing everything. Right. He's not in the episode. It's just like Twilight Zone. He's not in it. And James Colburn introducing the episode. He's not a through. He's not going through each story. Kolchak himself is the main character in those stories. So you're following his things, which is why the Norlis tapes is such a uh, analogous thing. Yeah. Uh, the hard part is after you had. Um, after you had success with Twilight Zone. And, and people will say, well, what about uh, Outer Limits? Outer Limits is so different than Twilight Zone. It's unbelievable. Outer Limits, you had the voice tell you what's happening, but there's no through character. There's no right. Rod Serling on the screen. There's no whatever. There's none of that thing. And and some of the Outer Limits are outstanding. Right. And some of them are garbage. Yeah. Just absolute garbage. The same thing with Twilight Zones. Some of the Twilight Zones, some of the Twilight Zones are all-time literal classics, have influenced cinema to this day and some of them you're like Ugh, i gotta sl- i don't want to slog through this hour long one which is boring or i don't want some of them are just b- bad oh, yeah, the, 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 obviously the better ones are the half hours well they, but i'm saying but there are certain half hours but certain know, ones like, that are half an hour that are phenomenally yeah, good they're incredible yeah. I mean, you could make you could you could make a a 10 hour uh, uh dv a, a blu-ray of just those classic episodes yeah. and every one of them you would say Whoa, I remember that. Yeah. Whoa. And again, there were some, I think, like one of the ones that was okay was the, the, the little twist where the, the guy is, he has Shakespeare write, come, come to, and write the uh, the sonnet or the, the mm-hmm. poem for his wife. I mean, those are okay. They're, they're, those are a little bit of fluff. But like you said, well, the, again, but the, the issue was you had Rod Serling writing or the. Well, well it was or, Richard Matheson and Beaumont. You had some of the best. Science fiction writers and yeah, of time. Yeah, the problem you had with with Kolchak in a, in a way was not the uh, the show itself or the production values, but after ten or fifteen episodes, we didn't get that many. Yeah, well, no, but, you, well, you didn't get that. Many. No, you, that's the problem. You never even got that far. Yeah, they got they, it became monster of the week. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, at some point in time, you're going to run out of monsters. Yeah, well, the thing was, we didn't even get fifteen episodes. That's the only like you know, that's it's, the there's twelve, right? Yeah, I think there's twelve. Yeah. yeah. It's just the movie, and then like two of them were cobbled together to make whatever. But I'm saying, but that's the problem with with Dark Room is there's there some stories are really good, 
And some stories are not so good. And since there is no through character to like hook you, like, well, I'm watching this because I like Darren McGavin and he's every one of them. Right. It became a situation where people like, it just wasn't hooking you. And you saw this some, and it was later in the eighties when the twilight zone came back, the, the redo of the twilight zone in the eighties had some outstanding episodes, terrifying episodes. And then they had some really bad episodes. And you're like, God, how many of these things are just garbage. And that series kind of just faded away. Mm-hmm. And Amazing Story started out with Steven Spielberg directing mm-hmm. the first one about the train, mm-hmm. Wait, which is years, which is literally the best episode maybe that's... So, well, I shouldn't say that. Well, no, the the, the, no, I, that one's the good ball, too. Good. Right, but that's also... I think... Is that... That's not George Lee. I'm trying to remember who did that. Is that um, Robert Zemeckis? It's, 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 but it's another... Yeah. Spielberg it's guys, Spielberg right? Does. It's one of his guys. Yeah. But the, to me, the best one is still Mummy Daddy, where the guy's dressed like a mummy and he's trying to get literally home to his wife who's having the baby. And it's because it's a comedy and it's really funny. You're like, okay. And it's all the crazy stuff that happens to him because they think he's a real mummy, but he's clearly just a guy mm-hmm. in a suit, you know? Um, but, the, but the thing is, that's the, re- but those are the kind of things that you think about. Those are the ones you remember, but how many are forgotten? How many are just whatever? And, you know, this was not, it, it's not like you had a series, like, it's not like it was like Dallas or Dynasty, where it's like yeah. prime time, whatever, and it's a soap opera, then, well, right? You, you got to go back, if you go back in time, just go back to, to the Twilight Zone. At that, at the time Twilight Zone came on, which was the late 50s and then the, in the early 60s for its, and forget about the hour runs, you had CBS, NBC, and ABC. No other, no other channel Existed. was running... Yeah. Nighttime programming. So that's why you had 39 episodes of even yeah. the honeymooners, right? So when you committed to a, to a season, you knew that you had to, they had to somehow show yeah. 39 episodes before the summertime. And then they, and I don't even know if there was, if there was any different shows other than reruns of the same show. But once you get to the seventies and obviously in the eighties, now ratings mean more than anything else. Yep. Now, they cancel shows uh, uh, during the, the, the 50s and the 60s, but if you go back, the, uh, the CBS, the NBC, and the ABC, and even ABC was not that that big a, that big a, a show. It was, it was NBC. It was two and four, those two channels. And look at all the shows that, that were constantly on, year after year after year, and they were all family shows, uh, there was like you might even have had a cop show here and there, like uh, um, what was that one called? Oh, there's Dragnet, which right, was which Dragnet, huge. Right. Um, right. But then you eventually you had um, Adam Twelve, Adam 12. and those, but those, but those were later. And yeah. There was even one, The Naked City. Yeah, The Naked City, which are had guy. I mean, if you had watched The Naked City, there were as every so often there'd be an episode with someone you never heard of before who became a big star, uh, right. like Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, or right, or it's even, just, yeah, because it's their break on television. Break yeah. on television. And again, they were not; they were just the, the they were just the bad guy, right? Right in the in the yeah. show, and it didn't say and Dustin Hoffman, or, right? Just, he yeah, was just he, the line. He, yeah, line, yeah. Well, uh, I'm saying is the difference is is that in the early '80s, though, you were competing, uh, especially Friday nights, which just a hard. I mean, they yeah. buried the show on a Friday night. You put it in a dead a dead time slot. You make it hard yeah. for people to watch, and, 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 and people no were ratings. going out. Right. People went out in the right. 80s and you did these no things. Ratings. Yeah, you ratings. can't get any. Well, there's no ratings to get. Yeah. That's the thing. Is nothing for it. So many people are thinking like, well, wasn't Miami Vice on on Friday nights? Like that's much later, yeah. and Miami Vice became uh, a phenomenon. But Miami Vice was also on NBC in the late 80s, 
in like a prime time slot. It was the nine o'clock time slot. So even if you were going out, you set the VCR and you taped Miami Vice, right? But that also influenced culture and everything else. This was not the same show. They're yeah. not even close to the same kind of show. No, this was a feeling that, again, think about how many, how many of that. It was, it, it, it came on in November, right? Yep. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it wasn't on, it, the first, the first shows of the, of the year, every year was right, the week after Labor Day was when, was yep. when these things started. And, and back in the, in the 80s, they might not be 39 episodes, but you definitely got 20 to 22. This one here probably had a, a, a not a guarantee, but well, we'll give you 22 episodes, but as, or at least 13, at least 13. And sure. And what happened? As the after the well, you you've well the siege the, that that the 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 if best episode been, killed that episode killed the series. Been a little later, it might have been. Yeah, it wouldn't later. have mattered. the the rating The writing was on the wall. The ratings were yeah. so low, and that episode was the one that made most people talk. Right. But you got to remember, it wasn't people talking. I mean, it was in people were talking. Way, it, it was. It, but it was they were like, "This is a really powerful an episode." But again, Vietnam was not I, long I, enough I, past, right. and you were not quite into. The, the mid eighties, the Rambos and the whatever, like it, it wasn't that pro let's shoot him. And the story's not, a, well, but it also wasn't a story about a guy who's, you know, reliving it. It's a guy who the war took his, like he ruined his body and it's, he, and he's bit, he, he remembers those great times because they're quote unquote great, but they weren't great. Like they were doing things he didn't want to do. And like, and it, and it hits on, it's much more poignant. Which is why we said this, and I've said this other times before. People, when you say they're like, "Oh, I know about Rambo," and they talk about Rambo, uh, you know, uh, First Blood Part Two, and you're like, "Well, what about First Blood?" They're like, oh, "I've never seen it." And that movie, when you watch First Blood, to yeah. think that what Rambo has now become, like the other sequels have become, I uh, would you never even see that coming. You've never even seen that coming. And the same way that when you get into the later, like the newest one, the one where like where he's old, oh, yeah. right? When, when, like, the end of that movie, people are like, well, this movie is too brutal. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't think it's brutal enough. Like, I don't think you even understand how much they've tamed this down from where the one where he they goes back into the jungle. Oh, yeah. yeah, which is um the one right, the, I don't remember what it's called. It's not called like Rambo 4. It's 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 the one, it's the one where he's older and they, and they go find him and he, and he finds what they're, 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 trafficking children and doing this stuff and that movie's very violent you're like and even that i'm not sure if it's violent enough and i'm and i'm not saying that there needs to be more violence in movies but i'm not sure if that even even gives you the level of idea of what it could be because of what because we're so desensitized to things now we literally watch movies that oh, are just like it's violence for violence sake sometimes but i'm saying but certain movies should be violent because of the situation what you're watching um 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 uh, overlord remember we want to talk about that but the 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 war scenes in the beginning people are like oh it's so that's not how you think guys were jumping out of planes like they're getting shot at you think the planes were like oh i'm gonna get shot down no you start jumping out they're full there that wouldn't happen guys wouldn't land in the water and drown what do you think happened like, what do you think happened? Yes, I understand. Later in the movie, they, they make zombies and the zombies are fighting. I get that. But the war scenes? Yes. Now, it's all shot digitally. No one actually was drowning or any of those things. But, like, do you think that didn't really truly happen? You didn't think that guys got killed that way? Guys got their faces torn off with machine guns? Like, that stuff happens. So when you see a movie, again, the, the Rambo, Rambo kind of like those movies, the, the, the last two, 
are so like Last Blood. I mean, Last Blood, he literally goes in, and you're like, man, this is a, just, you're just watching. Well, this is a bad idea. Like you're going to go die, and he should have died if you know they hadn't. What yeah. I don't want to ruin the movie if people haven't seen it, but he doesn't die in in Mexico twenty minutes in, right? But like the whole thing is like when they're coming, you're like, yeah, like that was probably the nicest stuff they could have done because that's the reality of it. When you look at how those mo- how those things have changed, when you look at how television has changed, how television is consumed, uh, a show like Dark Room was either five years, six years too late or 10 years too early. Mm. And it, it, and it fell in that time when it just kind of got lost and it is lost now because you no longer can watch it on NBC.com. So there is no mm. way to physically see dark room without getting a gray market copy like we have, or you have to find someone who is selling the German release of it. One, you have to be able to know how to get it into the English because it comes in mm-hmm. German now and you have to have an all-region player, and it's only available on DVD. Yeah, I mean, the thing, one of the things that, uh, obviously, we've, we've watched all the episodes, is that some of them are cute, <laughs> some of them are stupid, yeah. and some of them are poignant. But there's not, again, and you didn't know what you were going to get each week. No, yeah, it was a, a crapshoot every week. And, and to be perfectly honest, the ones that were that had the little bit of a twist were too short. Yeah. I mean, there were twists in in the Twilight Zones, but they were they were well even with the with the commercials they were twenty four minutes, okay, and then the twist came, you know like uh, Beauty's in the Eye of the Beholder, yeah. It, it once you've seen it, you know exactly what's going to happen. But, but, but the then first, you, but then first when after you've seen it, you can actually notice all, all the, the times things. they told you basically what was happening, right. and you right. just didn't know where to look for right. it. I mean, there are and so, again the the thing with Twilight Zone is the writers made mm-hmm. the show. And the actors that were in there were all good actors. That they didn't have any any nobodies. But again, it it when you when you watch this this uh, uh, this show the 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 uh, uh, dark room, the ones that that stand out to me are the little the short little ones that bam they hit you right in the face. Yeah, which, which you don't yeah. expect. Yeah, I mean the thing is, I mean to me well, the 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 best ones though. Are the ones that you can tell. I mean, again, and Ronnie, Co- I mean, uh, Ronnie Cox is a great actor, and, and Billy yeah. Crystal's a great actor. And there's a lot. There's actually really good actors and other ones that just aren't as good because they just weren't given as good of material. But some of that stuff, though, too, is how you pick and choose and create an episode. Right. You have to fill a certain amount of time. Um. You know, and you're like, okay, well, let's put this short one with that one. It's like maybe they don't work well together. But maybe the two you wanted to put together are two of the longer ones. You don't want to cut it. It's all about how they were kind of yeah. crafted and stuff like that. So I mean, we watched the, the the one that we watched with the David Carradine, um, where he's mm-hmm. the he's the drifter, yeah. he's in the town. Uh, that got a that was that was a, a was really interesting for the first fifteen minutes, and then as the, it, ending, it, the ending then just falls apart because yeah, it's just a it's just a like a, a bag and a and a like it's like, it's, it's a it's two pair of eyes coming in yeah. the thing and you're like okay he's gonna get eaten in the swamp all right like. You know, like, but the thing is this, and and I know some people have said that I'm very jaded and that like you, you, you don't think like, and it's true. Like I literally sit and watch a perfect example. Um, uh, and, and I don't want to get too far into this thing, but like the idea is like, uh, everyone's talking about, they're talking about a movie called Barbarian and how amazing this movie is. And it's so brutal and so horrible. And I can't imagine people watch this and it's so strong. And I'm like, cool. So I sat down and had lunch and watched it and going, 
and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And the movie ends. And I said, hmm. So I said, maybe it's in the credits. So I waited and watched the whole credits. And I go, huh, where, where's that part that's so debilitating? Where's that part that's supposed to scare me to my core? Where's that part that's supposed to make me nauseous? Now, is there some disgusting things that happen? Yep. Is there, is it some very not nice people in the movie? Yep. Did some people get their comeuppance? Yep. Did some people like, you know, maybe not deserve the fate they got? Yep. But is there anything there that I'm like waiting for this thing to happen? And, and I've said this literally, I said it to you, um, the first 15 minutes of barbarian, if it wasn't set in like the, the armpit of Detroit is literally a Hallmark Christmas movie setup. Yeah. It is literally the hot. And for those who are like, Oh, I don't agree with you, Jay. Great. Right in. Let me hear how amazing this film is. Cause I'm telling you, I sat and watched it. I didn't see anything. A Rob zombie movie pushes your buttons more than this does. And then some of you hate Rob zombie, but guess what? The one thing I can say about house thousand corpses, um, devil's rejects <laughs> and three from hell, there ain't no redeeming value to any of those characters whatsoever. And whatever they might do, and even if they get away with it, I mean, they're skinning people alive. And you're like, Huh, that's crazy. And I'm like, even show me that. But no. Anyway, like I said, I don't want to get too into it because barbarian, that's that's just that's a whole topic for a whole other day. It's not even I said to my dad. I said, hey, watch it. I'm like, it's fine. But the people who have seen that, I would say to them, um, so if you think that is too hard for you, then please never watch Martyrs. Either version, um, because you'll never make it through, um, because Martyrs is hard to watch. Or um, I would never I, ever suggest anyone watch Irreversible. It is garbage, but it is hard to watch. And those are coming in my skin, even in my skin, when she's peeling her skin off and drying and eating it, it's disgusting, right? But literally, when movies are supposed to be pushing, it's supposed to be pushing that desensitization, and and that's some of the violence we've been desensitized to. If you're not giving you that level of violence in a movie that is how that that's your selling point. What are you selling? Yeah. You're selling. I mean, I get it. You're supposed to sell the sizzle for the steak, but there has to be some steak. Right. Like it literally can't be just sizzle yeah. and like empty. So yeah. anyway, folks, well, that about does it for us. Thank you all for, uh, thank you, Luke and Jack for the emails. Of course, anybody who um, is, you know, would like to write in, you know, we'd love to hear from you kind of thing. And, you know, we, we, we try to do these feedback episodes after we get a few in the, in the bag. So we kind of like, not just one off. So I try not to do them at the end of episodes because sometimes that makes episodes go, extra long and i don't want to short anybody this i mean we just did you know we're doing an hour on three questions here we get we hit all different kinds of things like we normally do so all right folks so next month in february join luke and i for blood of dracula the unofficial third i was a teenage movie that became not i was a teenage and became blood of dracula instead of i was a teenage dracula uh, became instead of being i was a teenage dracula it became blood of dracula um, and then dad and I, um, of course, will be here for the seventh anniversary episode. And then we'll hit some dark rooms. Remember, we only got two episodes of dark room left to go. And then we are definitely talking about nightmare this year, which nightmares is the, uh, movie mm -hmm. that tied together all the loose ends of the scripts they had. And right. then they said, Hey, we got to amp this up a little bit. So we put some bad words in there and some blood and there you got your movie. So, all right, folks. So that about does it for us. So like we say around here, folks, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown, an unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world.
Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti. And search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Giaconetti. And you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?